Welcome to another episode of On The Line. I'm Joe Mullings, and in studio today, we're super excited. We have Brian Johnson, the president of Mass Medic. Came all the way down, uh, what is this, this December? My uh, Walter doesn't want me to give the exact date, but we're in December right now, and uh, it's cold as hell in Boston, and it's a little nicer here. So, Brian, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So for those who are not familiar um, with Mass Medic, uh, I won't do it justice. Brian, would you give us a little uh, explanation and tell us what the organization's about? Sure. Well, Mass Medic stands for the Massachusetts Medical Device Industry Council. We're an association of 300 med tech companies operating in and around uh, primarily the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and, and the rest of New England. Um, our members uh, range from very small startup uh, med tech companies uh, all the way up to multinational conglomerates like Boston Scientific and Johnson & Johnson. So it's in a, a diverse array of uh, companies that are really working to change the paradigm of care in, in healthcare through technology. And Brian and I got to know each other. Um, I'm fortunate enough to sit on the board of Massmatic and other peers on Massmatic uh, are president of Zoll, right? Uh, yes. Go ahead, drop some hammer names. Yeah, I mean, we our, our, our board has, has great representation. I mean, every Abiomed, Boston Scientific, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Medtronic, um, Olympus, Smith & Nephew, uh, you know, Zoll. Uh, I'm afraid to, to leave one out. Right, right, right. So, right, so. But, uh, so I'm, not, I'm not representing them all. But, uh, you know, in, in MedTech, those are brand names. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're really judged by the power of your board. Uh, and in the association world, so we're, uh, we, we punch pretty heavy for our, uh, our size of our organization. Yep. And, and what are the goals of Mass Medic in general? And then we'll cut into a little bit about your background, but I want people to put context around things. Sure. I mean, well, Mass Medic was formed in 1996. It was, it was, um, it kind of sprung out of the, the recession of the early 90s. Massachusetts has always been traditionally, and uh, this is one of the parts about Boston that I love, is, is a city of reinvention. So, um, you know, little known fact, it used to be the shoe capital of the world until it went to Milan. So there's a, a district called the Leather District in Boston, which is now trendy and, and you know, lofts and, and restaurants. But actually, that's where there used to be all tanneries there. So uh, but then that went over to Milan. So the history of Boston has always been one of reinvention. Industries spring up, technologies are created there, then they leave. Well, in the 90s, this started to become a, a concern because uh, we lost uh, the personal computing uh, sort of uh, world, um, moved away from Boston. And uh, they said, hey, how do we keep these, these industries here? We're tired of, of basically planting seeds in Silicon Valley. Um, so, you know, uh, Mass Medic was one of two organizations uh, representing the life sciences sector. And uh, for 22 years, it has supported uh, the med tech industry by first defining the med tech industry, which I find really interesting. I didn't know that when I took the job, but kind of digging back in. Um, you know, MassMedic is really, I, I would say, primarily responsible for uh, defining the med tech cluster in Massachusetts, because one of the initial, uh, initial things they did was a survey. And they found that these a lot of these companies that were building medical equipment were categorized according to their SAIC codes, so they were called uh, uh, plastics manufacturers. Uh, but they were really producing medical equipment. So, you know, I, I still look at our job as continuing to define and advocate for the industry to make sure that, 
you know, it's a quiet industry. You know that this is an industry of engineers who, uh, you know, they don't exactly know how to, uh, to fluff their own feathers. Um, they, they do a very poor job uh, in most cases of, of talking about. And the don't blame the engineers, though. Even the marketing <laughs> and sales guys don't fluff their own feathers. Well, you know, they're highly regulated. I'm an engineer, so I have yeah. to stand up for us. I mean, they're highly regulated industries. Yeah, so, right. you know, this is not, uh, you know, a place where hyperbole is, uh, right. is readily accepted. Right. But, I mean, maybe that's why I'm in the position I'm in. Um, but you know they need uh, they need a, a group to advocate for them to lawmakers to explain to laymen, hey, look, we're not just building medical devices or medical technology. We're saving lives. We're we're changing your lives. Hey, you you might not even know like you have a medical device in your body or have used a medical device. Most people don't realize they are they are they are um, bumping into medical technology every day, mm -hmm. and and it's just one of those things that you just kind of look past, right? The, you do glasses or contact lenses. You're actually a you're using a medical device every day. Your eye watch these days, yeah. right? Yeah. Your, your Garmin, your, yeah. just Apple got approved on the uh, 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 cardiology side of things, yeah. right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, advocacy and, and, and communication has, has always been part and parcel of our, of, our, um, of our credo and our mission. You know, the rest was uh, education um, and, uh, and events. So, uh, you know, that's, that's how the Industry Association was founded in 1996. That's pretty much how it was run for 22 years. Um, you know, it's a little bit like the Chamber of Commerce, but just for the med tech industry. So um, we have a common friend who drove the Halidus organization for a number of years, Tom Summer. Yeah. Tom Summer. And um, big shout out, Tom, uh, who uh, has handed the mantle over to you, and that's MassMedic 1.0. Uh, now you're moving into Mass Medic 2.0. Yeah. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in the first year? So, you know, anytime you take over for a founder, um, someone told me this, it's a turnaround. And, you know, I, th I think the first thing that I've tried to do is listen, and I'm still really listening. Um, I had my own thoughts about Mass Medic. You know, I've been working with the organization on and off for 10 years. Um, so I had some ideas as to how I wanted to drive this bus, but I also knew that kind of stepping into this role, the most important thing for me to do would be to talk to my members and figure out what they needed and what they want. Um, but, you know, I'm also somebody who, uh, you know, I don't want to say I drive myself on intuition because I don't, but I feel like I have sh pretty strong understanding of what people might want. And, uh, you know, what I first noticed right away was we needed to communicate better and somebody needed to tell the story of Mass Medic better. Mm -hmm. So that's why I talk about the past and the history, because I think it's really important to kind of talk about our future, um, you know, how we laid the groundwork for, for the next phase of Mass Medic. My, I look at Mass Medic holistically as my job is to make sure that Massachusetts is branded as the med tech capital of the world. Um, I think they do a great job of it in Minnesota. Uh, I think California, you know, I mean, MedTech is actually gigantic in California, but it's actually two different states there. There's Southern California, Northern California, um, and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, it's not really known as a MedTech place, um, even though it's the largest population of MedTech companies right, in the right, world. Because right. uh, everything's a reference point, right? Because right. everything after that is computing, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Right, and genetics and genomics and everything. Yeah. Else. So. You know, I look at I look at it. So we have to continue. We have to figure out how to define mass, the Massachusetts ecosystem. How do we brand it? How do we make sure that people understand that this is this is the the global epicenter of innovation in medicine? And it's actually 
ironically enough, like when you fly into Logan Airport, if you fly into Terminal C, uh, the JetBlue terminal, they have all this like all these firsts that have happened in Massachusetts, and it's an entire wall of the airport of just you know in 1886 this happened in 1922 the first this, um, so you know I want to make sure that we worked to brand Massachusetts as that global epicenter of of where ideas in medicine come from, um, but you know how do we do that? You know you don't boil the ocean, so you have to figure out how you can do it step by step. So the first step was communicate more, find vehicles that we can um, talk to our members uh, more often and in a more casual tone, frankly. Um, you know, so we started a newsletter, you know, we're working on the website, uh, we're working on some podcasts, you know, we're doing stuff like this, trying to get out there and talk. Mm -hmm. um, the secondly, you know, we're doing a lot of uh, surveying and listening to our members and trying to figure out what they see as the value of our organization versus what I perceive the value of our organization. And, you know, not surprisingly, there's a delta there, and that's, you know, I think that's good because we have, that means we have a clearly defined mission. Because I think what I see and, and what other people see, you know, uh, we have to align that towards a, a united vision. Um, so part one was communicating better. Part two is creating um, this, this idea from moving from networking to creating a community. You know, uh, when you're networking, it's transactional. It's I'm handing you a business card and I'll tag you on LinkedIn. And then maybe we shoot an email or two and then maybe we have lunch and, and, and um, you know, we start building a relationship. A community is really, I'm joining this uh, this group of people that have a shared ideals and shared vision. And so we want to have a, a, an, an association that is a community. We all have the same uh, ideals and vision for, for our, our med tech uh, community. Um, number three is creating uh, what I call memorable events. So events that are stylized, um, that show off a little of the pizzazz of med tech. Um, that that highlight the voices and the and the and the in in our community because there's a lot of remarkable people doing I, I would say jaw dropping work frankly mm -hmm. you know I've covered a lot of industries as a reporter I've never covered an industry uh, that that just kind of just blew my mind in so many times I, I think medical and technology innovation is is the most exciting innovation. Sadly, it's the sort of the least understood, so it's the least covered. But that's our own fault, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the med tech you pointed out earlier, <clears throat> people don't really understand the science and technology that goes into it, number yeah. one. And number two, you know, we do a lot of recruiting out in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And when we get on the phone, one of our really sobering uh, questions is, would you rather keep somebody on Facebook for another 38 seconds with that algorithm? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather put that algorithm into a device that sits in inside of a patient in an ICU, CCU, and if not but for, they wouldn't be sitting at the dinner table this holiday season? Right. And people pause for a moment and say, shit, I've never really thought about that. And I'm like, no, now's the time to think about that. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think we have to bring that aha moment to the industry. And we, and ICU's we, because I've been in med tech for 29 years, have not done a good job of doing that. And we always blame it mm -hmm. that we can't make regulatory claims because the FDA is gonna come after us. And I hear that all the time. Yeah, But if we're not making regulatory claims, but we're making claims about the changing of humanity because of the products we make, um, 
we've been lame and yeah. not doing that well. Well, I think it's a, it's about sort of this technology problem paradigm, right? What do you mean? So, I mean, well, I mean, one of the things that I really want to try to define, and one of the programs we're trying we're going to launch in 2019 is our is our startup program that that ran for 10 years and, and is now being restarted. And I really look at some of the issues around um, med tech as um, sort of the paradigm of technology problem, you know, uh, technology looking for a problem to solve. So every everything starts with the technology. So the conversation, the vision, all is centered around the technology. And I think if you if you step back and you look at Technology is actually, it's just an instrument, it's just a vehicle to solve a problem. So I think what we have to do as an industry, um, we have to do this better, is define the problem that we're seeking to solve and talk about technology as one of the tools in our arsenal. You know, we're not just, you know, creating a, a piece of equipment that, that is gonna fix this condition. No, we're seeking to, to heal this condition, right? And, and then, you know, our technology is part of that. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of part of that, like, what do you do? And then, uh, you know, what, like, uh, somebody coming up to an, an engineer and saying, you know, what do you do? Well, I, you know, I create an articulating rotator right. piece of machine. It's like, no, 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 what do you do? Right. And it's like, well, you know, I am a mechanical engineer. And I like, no, no, what do you do? No, what are you doing? I build a robot that saves lives. Yes, right? exactly. That's, that's yeah. where we have to go. Yeah, and, and we have to have that in our DNA more. Mm-hmm. And I think... The beautiful part of our industry is that it's not an industry filled with fluff. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, I'm I don't come from this industry as a background. So when I come in and I say, no, no, no you got to keep dumbing this down until I understand it, right? I went to <laughs> went to Emerson College and <laughs> wait, 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 don't don't. don't. <laughs> great school, you're, you're not it's a great school. Any, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was a film major. I need you to keep going until we hit this uh, until we hit this point where I can understand, right? Um, but I mean, that's always been for me is like when I interview people, I've, like, my first question is like, you know, act like you're explaining this to a four year old mm-hmm. and tell me what you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, that's the challenge. And I, I hope we can uh, we can bring some of that. What, what prepared you for this? Tell us about your background. Um, Where did you come from? Where did yeah. you grow up? Give sure. us a give us a good two minute on that. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Two minutes or 43 years, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a communication major. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm originally from uh, New Jersey. Right. Uh, what from exit? <laughs> Elizabeth, New right. Jersey. So uh, we are known for the Sopranos That's and right. Scientology. Right. So it's a legacy that we carry. Um, <clears throat> um, moved to Boston at an early age. My dad actually uh, brought us there. Uh, he was a, uh, for a job selling uh, rugs. And uh, we ended up in Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. And uh, uh, so I ended up growing up in a place called Newton, Massachusetts, um, which is about five miles outside of Boston. Grew up there, uh, went, to, went to school in Emerson College, got a, a bachelor's degree in film, ended up in Los Angeles as a, uh, in the movie business first, so as a script reader. Um, I was uh, a dog walker. Nice. <laughs> I was, uh, nice. Everybody in entertainment. A candle maker. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I remember. Like, uh, candle maker? Oh, yeah. I had every job you could ever think of. I had. Uh, I think I was carrying about three or four jobs at one point, you know, just, just to make ends sure. meet. I was 21 years old, and I just said, I'm going right. to my parents, um, you know. and uh, What year was that? 
1997. Okay. No, wait, 96, 97, somewhere around there. Uh, kind of blocked it out. <laughs> I actually didn't even have my driver's license. I had to learn to drive to go to L.A. So my first time driving, I was on Santa Monica Boulevard, and I was white, oh, knuck- I white knuckled the entire way. I was afraid to take lefts, um, so I had to figure out a way to get to work just by taking rights. All right, into <laughs> yeah. like a UPS driver. <laughs> yeah. It was really scary. Uh, but I was really lucky. My first job was as a script reader at 20th Century Fox. And it was a place called Fox 2000. And it was run by this producer named Laura Ziskin, who is one of, you know, is one of the, the titans of, of Hollywood, uh, one of the, the best, most successful um, women producers of all time. Huh. And I'll, I'll never forget my first day of work. Uh, you know, I'm so excited and so nervous. You know, you're walking, in, you're walking into a movie studio your first day on your real first job, and it's like, oh, my God, there's Jimmy Smith. Oh, my God, there's Dennis Franz. Oh, my God. You know, and then... Um, so I get there, and Laura Ziskin, um, you know, she's like, you ever see Devil Wears Prada? Sure. I mean, she is, she like, is that. She's person. that, right? Okay. And uh, she comes out. At one point, she just comes flying out of her office. She's like, everybody, listen up. There has been a leak to the press, and if I find out any, which one of you leaked that, your career is done, okay? Done. <laughs> <laughs> And then she goes, thank you. And then goes back in her office. And I was I was like sweating bullets. Even though it was my first day, there's no way, obviously, I was leaking anything to the press. And the, one of the producers comes to me and goes, oh, you're toast. <laughs> Somebody hang the new guy. <laughs> but the reason why I was so, you know, I don't know. The, for me, it just, the, working for her, and, and it was classic Hollywood, right? So it was like, Laura wants air-popped popcorn. So you got to go get her a popcorn maker, and and you know, and I'm driving around Los Angeles, you know, like a maniac, sweating bullets, not making any laughs, <laughs> trying to find this air popper, you know, because it has to be a specific type. So I bring her, you know, it took me three like two hours to do this 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 mission, and you know, and I pop up this perfect bowl of popcorn, I bring it in, you know, like, oh, That's great. And, and she takes one kernel, pops it in her mouth, she goes, it's perfect. And she never had another kernel of that popcorn. And it just kind of taught me, uh, you know, you know, well, A, I don't think I want to be that kind of boss if I ever get to the top. But B, like, you know, your career is just, you know, you, you just got to learn how to manage and balance these big personalities. And, you know, for me, frankly, I was a little too timid at the time. But I was, I was, it was, you know, I've had the real pleasure of working for very powerful women my whole career um, and watching how they how they comport themselves and, and uh, you know it's 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 been a real pleasure and I think really important for me to see that um, because you know I mean talk about competent you know the, these these women got to the top by being super competent and by taking you know in many cases no prisoners heavy fire yeah. no air cover oftentimes and, yeah. and actually I'm, I'm gonna hijack this yeah. you're doing um, something specifically at Mass Medic, mm-hmm. a new event or a new yeah. series of events in yeah. regards to female leadership in yes. medtech. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I um, immediately, when I took the job, I said what I want to do is help is help create better uh, arenas for uh, mentoring for women. And you know, one of the things that sort of studies suggest is that women uh, and women have told me that you know, we don't have enough other female mentors. Um, you know, you're usually being mentored by a man. 
And and you know I think I think it's really important that we create uh, sort of organic networks of, of of women mentors. So we're creating this women's leadership forum, and really what it is 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 it, it's a tentpole event. So we're going to interview a successful woman executive, interviewed by another woman, um, and, and and have after the event structured time where people can sit down at a table and and network. And it's really not going to be about um, their career. I mean, it's not going to be about their company. I don't, we don't, we don't, we're hoping it's not super transactional. We'd like them to network and mm-hmm. try, try to talk about their careers. Do I have to be a Mass Medic member to attend that? Um, you you don't, but uh, you know you'll pay a different price if okay. you're if you're not. There. So it'll be open to the public, though. I, I'd like yes. I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm, an, I'm a big tent person. I mean, I, I, you know, we're mm-hmm. you know clearly if you're a member, there will be benefits that are not open to the public. But this is something that I feel strongly that the med tech community should lead on. Mm-hmm. You know, it it hasn't led, but it should lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's healthcare is a is an industry dominated by women, but the executive level it's it's woeful. You know, yeah. one out of eight uh, executives is, is a woman, and um, you know I think I was talking to um, you know one of the great sort of uh, women leaders in the industry, Stacy Pugh of uh, Medtronic. We know Stacy really well. She's awesome. She's and she's, <laughs> she was saying, you know, uh, you know, even a lot of organizations, if they put a woman at the top, they feel like we've solved our women problem. And, uh, you know, that's clearly not right. <laughs> you know, you can't, right. you know, you do, that's just not it. I mean, that's you have to build a culture that's around. That's a throw a bone mentality. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. Not it. yeah. So you have to build a culture of inclusion. And I think, uh, w- if, if we as an association lead on that, and it's not just, you know, inclusionism, just women, it's people of color, it's people from varied backgrounds who, who might feel like they're not welcome in the med tech industry, we want them to know uh, that they are. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna really seek to push the med tech um, industry into different arenas, talking to, uh, you know, uh, younger younger kids in, in, the, in, the, in the inner cities and, and, and you know, get, get, people, get people more involved in this space because you know, the healthcare in general is a very inclusive environment. I mean, you go into a hospital, you see a lot of people of all different stripes. And, you know, our industry, which caters to people of all races, colors, and, you know, and genders, needs to embrace that. Yeah. And I think they want to. I think it's just they just need, you know, push And it. so for those listening right now, um, where can they f- go to in order to check on dates and availability? Uh, yeah, well, Matt, we'll have it up on massmedic.com. And... Um, uh, you, the the events will be uh, will be unveiling the events over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so it'll be kind of part of a, a, a busy night 2019 for us. Awesome. We really want to change the um, thought process of of uh, how people see us through our events. So um, we got through your movie <laughs> career. <laughs> you got about two months into my career. Yeah, no, but but, but, <laughs> but, but, but you you had before you came to Massmedic, um, yeah. you had started your own venture I and did. successfully exited. I did, and I think it sets you up really well um, for bringing into Massmedic what your initiatives are. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. So I mean, you know, fast forward from Hollywood, I ended up in the newspaper business, and I was a business reporter at a, a newspaper called the Eagle Tribune up in uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I, I covered some med tech companies, but I didn't really uh, didn't really know too much about them. But um, it was an industry that I was very aware of. My, uh, my father was at U.S. Surgical, uh, and, and so I knew of the industry. But, uh, I, you know, I had covered successful business people for a few years and decided 
you know, I knew I was always entrepreneurial and I wanted to start something. And, um, you know, I, I left the paper because I was just making woeful money and I was, you know, starting a life. And, uh, you know, I did a little work at a consulting company that was working in MedTech. And, 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 but I immediately missed the pace of journalism. You know, it's something, it's one of these industries, one of these jobs that, like, you know, once it's in your blood, it's, <laughs> you have mm -hmm. to sort of get a full blood transfusion to get it out, yeah. you know, because life seems pretty boring if you don't have a deadline every two, every, you know, six hours. Um, and, but, you know, I was really coalescing around online media. And I knew um, I had done a little bit of, like, sports blogging for fun, you know, anonymously, and actually had built up a pretty good audience doing that. Um, and uh, so I said, well, you know what? I can build an audience, and I'm a pretty good writer, and, you know, I think we can, I think we, I think I can do something like this. So uh, I actually read, uh, I read a, a magazine article, Blogging for, for Dollars, <laughs> and um, they said, uh, if you, if you, you don't need to get millions of readers if you have a really strong demographic. And, you know, it was kind of one of those aha moments. Um, you know, I was in, I, I ended up, at, ironically, at a Mass Medic Investors Conference uh, for this company and scouting companies. And, and, you know, I had this idea churning in the back of my head. And I just said, oh, my God, I'm going to, this is what I'll do. I'll just bring this energy in this industry online every day. And I'll start a blog. And, you know, this is a rich industry. And I started look, looking into it. And, you know, sure enough, it kind of all fit together. And, you know, I, you know, I, mean, I, I went home and I bought this domain called massdevice.com. And I uh, started putting together a business plan. I, I, I recruited a, a former colleague from a grad school in a newspaper business, uh, Brad Periello. Uh, and I said to him, you know, over sort of a barbecue, I have a great idea and you need to be a part of this. And, you know, he sort of said, uh, send me some more info on it. Recruit, finally, didn't take too long to convince him. Um, but sort of this idea of massdevice.com was born. And this web, this was really, uh, our idea was a daily newspaper for the med tech world. And, you know, what the idea was, I remember saying to, to people, you know, sooner or later we all need a medical device. Mm -hmm. You know, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So why don't you read about it here? And, um, you know, we wrote a really nice business plan. We went out, um, we had some, we had a pretty nice investor deck. We went out to raise money in the fall of 2008. Good timing. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> we were actually on the pitch when the Lehman Brothers folded, mm -hmm. which was a sobering moment. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, at that moment we said, you know, I said to myself, you know, there's no good time to start a business, and we're just gonna go for it, and we'll just go 1.0. So we launched in March of 09. The Dow Jones was 6,000 that, that day. Um, and you know, to me it was perfect, because I was like, all of our mistakes will be covered. Nobody's killing it right now, so we can suck for a while, and we can learn the business, and then when this economy recovers, we'll be ready, yeah. and we'll be in good shape. Good philosophy. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> it is a good philosophy. There's amazing how many philosophies you yeah. can create uh, <laughs> out of necessity. <laughs> right? Um, so Mass Device, you know, from zero readers to, you know, 10 years later today, I, you know, they, they're going to do probably a million and a half to two million readers this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the, it's a, 
a flagship of a, of a medical device network that we built. Um, so, you know, I built it from 09. I sold it in 2015 to a company called WTWH Media. We actually signed the closing docs on the same six years to the day that we launched the publication, which was really cool. And then, uh, um, you know, uh, we launched a, an event called Device Talks in 2011, kind of built around CEO conversations. Um, and then in 2017, I, I knew I was ready to move on. Uh, it always been a goal of mine to walk away from this uh, venture. I always thought a venture has to, s a venture isn't successful unless it uh, survives its founder leaving. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's a universal thing, but I mean, for me it was. Mm -hmm. I felt success would be A, sell it, you know, walk away, financially more stable and then uh, the venture can live on without me. It was always important that it lived on without me. Yeah. And it's thriving today, which is fantastic. And you know, I, I'm really proud of what we did. I'm really proud of the people that I brought in, gave them careers, start to their careers. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Um, you know, you, and I think, unfortunately, you know, we think about, we obsess about the exit. And anybody who's ever sold a company understands, like, as soon as you sign those papers. Right. Your baby's gone. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like, but if you if you have the, I believe, if you have the fire in your gut to start a company, all these milestones, they so quickly pass. Uh, and that you don't even pay attention. Yeah, to you're on to the next thing yeah. almost yeah. instantly. You know, I was like, go have a nice dinner. Yep. And then I What's started, next, yeah, saying, so, oh my God, what do I, now I got to build this thing even faster. Like we're actually at day one. Which is the, so you're bringing you know, all that experience now into Massmatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Matic, now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be speaking for these companies in, in, a, in, a, in a constructive manner. Um, I feel like I can do it because I've spent the last 10 years immersed in this space, covering it, talking to almost every major CEO in the industry. Um, I've been blessed with a great network and mm -hmm. the, the industry really embraced me in a way no other I've never had in my professional career. I was always, you know, through Hollywood, journalism was always struggling to get, you know, recognition, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a mistake because I still remember we were working, I was working for Roger Corman Studios. He's the king of the B movies, right? And, uh, he, I mean, this guy came in and he once said, oh, we're building Titanic quality movies for the budget of their uh, craft services. <laughs> I was like, okay, got a little inflated ego. There's, a, there's, there's literally a woman here living out of her VW uh, bug who comes to work so she can eat for free. But <laughs> so that's that industry. Though. So well, one of my jobs was I was on B camera crew on this terrible TV show, which featured like washed up. Um, Washed up movie stars and Playboy playmates, and um, one of my jobs was a was a, a camera assistant on the B camera. So B camera does a lot of stuff like run into a building, uh, you know, if there's an explosion, a burnt doll's head has to fall down. So somebody has to actually film that junk, right? Right. So you don't waste stars' time. So, you know, they would put me in the suit, and I'd pretend to be the the leading man running into the building. And um, <laughs> um, one of my jobs was. Uh, we were doing car, car pickups, right? So the this this black scorpion mobile would be driving down Venice Boulevard, three a.m. in the morning, and my job was literally to hook my arm in this cargo van, hook my arm around uh, something that, to to stabilize myself, and then kick the back door open and then hold it with my leg. 
<laughs> for dear life as we're driving 40 that miles. That was on your resume? <laughs> <laughs> and then like, yeah, you know, the end of the night, I'm like, oh my God, how am I ever going to get out of this thing? Like, what is the, what am I doing in my life? And the camera guy goes, hey man, first 10 years, it's who you know. Second 10 years, it's what you know. So, you know, for me, it was, you know, the 10 years is who you know, and mm -hmm. now it's about what I know. And it's a really cool place to be. So, you know, we have to, I have to take all that knowledge for 10 years of, 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 of this industry mm -hmm. and, and, and put it towards making Massachusetts the, the, the destination for MedTech. It's going to be fun to watch that. I, again, I get to sit on the board with you, and <clears throat> I think your vision and your previous experience is going to leverage up and raise the game. Tom did an unbelievable job at MassMedic 1.0, and I'm going to look forward to watching MassMedic uh, 2.0 with you and being part of that journey. So yeah, I, be fun. I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, it better be fun. It be, yeah, otherwise, <laughs> we're not going to show up. And again, um, they can follow you and the organization on MassMedic.com. You follow us on, at MassMedic.com. I'm... Um, you can follow me on Twitter at MassMedicPrez. I think that's what we're... And then LinkedIn. And then LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, pretty... Great. Somewhat active. Pretty Great. active. Awesome. Good. Well, I appreciate you coming by today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So another episode of On the Line. I'm Joe Mullings closing out and wishing you all a very happy new year. And if this plays after the new year, Walter's giving me the cut sign on the throat. I hope you had a great, safe new year. Be well.